Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. It's the Shining Brightly Show. Oh my God, I have such an amazing show. I'm excited to be on belief. Um, it is Shining Brightly in studio tonight. So I have my really good friend, Allison Rosen with me. And Allison, how are you? I am great. All the way from the huge state of Houston, Texas, right? And um, I'm so excited to talk with you tonight. Let me tell you a little bit uh, about Allison. Allison, first of all, she's been a friend of mine for five years. And uh, she is actually a stage two uh, colorectal cancer patient. We're going to get into that. And so we met through our uh, personal advocacy for the cause. And so we're, that, that's what brought us together. But you, you do so much more than that. You, you are really, God, you, you live this and you breathe this so much, Allison, is that you're a patient. Uh, you're actually in the community, the policy side of things, the research side of things. Um, also being such a young, um, a young adult and getting it young onset, um, it's just amazing. Now, um, you've been working in the oncology world for over 16 years. And at the age of 32, after struggling with Crohn's disease, you got your life totally disrupted with stage 2C colorectal cancer. Uh, we're going to dive into being so young and what that means. But now, okay, no, not, not beating uh, the lead here, but 11 years cancer-free. I'm giving that a big amen. And, um, and, and, and you volunteer time uh, for, uh, the awareness factor and to educate patients. Uh, but also you do this professionally. You mm -hmm. go to work every day for the American Cancer Society and, um, and, and, and you work in policy. You, I know you're a, a well-regarded speaker. You're a board member and you're a volunteer and you travel and you are at lots of different, uh, at least colorectal cancer events and others, uh, to be able to keep, uh, keep getting smart and be able to share that knowledge. And so, um, I, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the show and tell someone what do you, what else do you do for fun? And what, what's, what's interesting, something that we may not know about you. <laughs> something interesting besides being a survivor. Um, well, yes. born and born and raised in Texas, I feel like it was sort of, uh, meant to be that I would like to dance. So when I was younger, I danced starting at five years old, all the way until high school doing ballet, tap, jazz, Point, all that sort of stuff. And now on my weekends, most weekends, even some weekdays, I spend country western dancing. So um, I'm not going to say I'm an amazing dancer. I just love it so much. Uh, Two-step, polka, waltz, whatever's going on, line dancing, I will do it. It is, um, there's a great dance community all over the world, but especially in Texas and in Houston. Oh, yes. And so I spend a lot of my free time when I'm not traveling the world dancing because I absolutely love it. And you have a couple of, uh, of of guests that that are live with you, and um, you love cats, right? What are your cats' I names? I do. I have um, two cats that are rescues um, that are brothers, Oliver and Salem, and they are two years old. And um, when I started working from home, I decided to to get them. Um, I always had one cat growing up, but I wanted two so they would have each other. If I was in front of a screen, they would be able to snuggle. 
So half the time in the middle of the day, I turn around, I look and they're just, you know, they're sleeping on my couch together and it's just the cutest thing. And and also I think pets in general really are um, a support system. They love you unconditionally. And so they are, they're amazing. I love it. I love it. So let, let's, let's dig in a little bit here. So, I mean, you got, uh, you, you had Crohn's disease. Now, did that immediately turn into a diagnosis of, uh, no. of colon cancer or did, was it a, a little bit of a, of a confusing path? Cause most people, it's not always clear. Crohn's doesn't all, always lead to cancer. Oh no, of course not. So I had Crohn's starting at 12. So I've been dealing with Crohn's disease for the majority of my life. Essentially I still have it, but um, I had been getting a colonoscopy every year. I had been under some sort of treatment for a long period of time in my, my teens and twenties. And then I had been in remission um, for about five or so years, clean colonoscopies, no, no, no symptoms of Crohn's really. Um, so I was still having my regular screening, but I was very aware of what was, you know, going on inside my, my body. So it was about to be time for me to have my regular colonoscopy. So I think I was six months out from my, my annual colonoscopy when I started having symptoms that were unusual for me. So um, I felt like food was stuck inside me. I was having abdominal pain. Really, I just, you know, the the fatigue was really severe. Um, I was losing weight. I thought I was losing weight from doing Zumba all the time because that's something else I love to do in my free time, um, work out and do Zumba and other other things. So I was one of those people that was aware of my body and, and my digestive, um, you know, habits. And things changed drastically. So I talked to my doctor and she said, oh, let's do an x-ray. Maybe you have a blockage. Um, so we did an x-ray and she thought it was a blockage. So she gave me something to drink to potentially clear it up. It didn't quite work and it just got worse. I went out of town for um, a bachelorette party and I couldn't eat or drink. Um, and I was on the side, um, laying on the floor in the bathroom and just in pain. So everyone was going to wineries and doing fun stuff. And I was just like, um, it was bad. So I came back. When I got back to town, I talked to her and she said, okay, well, maybe we should move up your colonoscopy. So um, I had that colonoscopy a few weeks, I don't know, like two or three weeks later, um, I woke up from it and she said, well, I found something growing inside you. I don't know what it is, but it's blocking anything from moving down your colon. I don't necessarily think it's cancer, um, but it's, you know, I did a bunch of biopsies and I'll let you know in, in a few days. So she used the word cancer and she used it as I was waking up from the anesthesia. So I remember talking to my mom when I got home and I'm like, did she, did she say cancer? Um, and you're at higher risk of developing cancer when you have, you know, some of these um, irritable bowel syndromes, but you're getting monitored so often. And I had had a clean colonoscopy a year and a half earlier, the cleanest one I'd ever had in my life. So lo and behold, a few days later, she called me um, and I worked in a research, like cancer research lab across the street. She called me. She never called me to come for the results. She called me to her office and I was on the phone with my mom crying. I, I knew my life was about to change. Um, she put me in a room and told me I had colorectal cancer and I needed to find an oncologist, a surgeon, um, and a new GI doctor because she was about to leave her practice. Um, and so like my life flashed before my eyes. I, I just was, I knew my life was going to change. Um, she also said, and this is something I heard from my oncologist later, that because the colonoscopy earlier had been clean, the last one I had, it seemed like it was aggressive. So at that point, she she urged me to find somebody soon so I could get my my scan so they could see, 
you know, stage me and, and just sort of get the, um, the wheel moving and, and figuring out what was going on, what sort of treatment I would need. Um, and luckily being in Houston and working in cancer research, I was surrounded by some of the, the best medical institutions um, ever. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, that it's just, you know, the, the, the you or uh, as Lee Silverstein always said, we have cancer diagnosis is just, uh, it stops you in your tracks. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I've had it at age 23 with lymphoma, not Hodgkin's lymphoma, and now at, at age 50 after colonoscopy for colon cancer. And you're 32 years old. You're just a young lady. You know, your career's going, you know, you're dancing, right? And, um, you know, everything then, all your priorities just change in an instant for sure. I mean, and, go ahead. No, I say when she put me in that room and she put me in a room and she's like, I'll be right back. It was dark. And then she told me, and then she said, I'll give you a second to, you know, to digest this and left the room. And I remember very vividly, like my life flashing before my eyes. It was like tunnel vision. And I was like, you know, at that point, she didn't say anything about stage. She just said I had cancer. And my mom's a breast cancer survivor. So when I was a teenager, we helped take care of my mom. And I saw everything she struggled with. And it was just one of those moments that I'll never forget that it just it every time I talk about it, I get a little emotional, because I had no idea what what my life was going to be. I was finally, you know, I liked my job, where my career path was going. I was finally ready to settle down and potentially meet somebody. And, you know, and I knew my life was going to change forever at that moment. And no one at that attic didn't have kids. So I had no idea what that meant about potential family planning or any, it just, it was the uncertainty of hearing those words cancer and everyone that's diagnosed with cancer. I know, and you know, like, it, it's just like, it's a shock. You don't ever expect it. I mean, I was doing everything right. I was getting my screening and I was taking care of myself and my body, but I still got diagnosed. And, and what was the treatment that they uh, had for your plan? Yeah. So, I mean, it was a whole, I, I went and saw, I had three different opinions of surgeons because of my history with Crohn's one surgeon wanted to take everything from my colon and down out. The other surgeon thought maybe he could do it laparoscopically. The other one said, well, you know, we have to wait until we go in and, um, and so I got three different opinions from three different doctors and the oncologist that I saw, um, they were all, they were all great. But the one um, that I ended up going with at MD Anderson said, you're not just a number, you're young, um, you're healthy besides this. I want to make sure that we give you the treatment that's right for you. And we take into account what you want and, and your life. And so he just had that empathy that I was looking for. And so I said, okay, this is where I'm going. And, and so my treatment ended up being at that at that time, standard of care, um, was five and a half weeks of chemotherapy and radiation surgery. And I had, I've had multiple surgeries, but the initial surgery, um, to make a temporary ileostomy and, um, and see what's going on inside. And because of my history with Crohn's, my colon essentially just sort of fell apart, um, inside. So I had a temporary ostomy made with a, um, a J pouch internal, um, then let everything heal, had chemotherapy again and had surgery to reverse that. And so I had a J pouch for an extended period of time, but unfortunately I had infections and infections and more infections. Um, and ultimately it led to my ostomy, having another temporary ostomy for a while and 
after two years of having that temporary ostomy, having a heart to heart with my surgeon about making it permanent and taking the J pouch and everything else out and sewing me up with what they call, you know, Barbie butt surgery, essentially. Um, so I had my ostomy made permanent. I think it was about six or so years ago and it was the best decision I ever made. And if I knew what I know now, I would have probably had that surgery, the ostomy, permanent ostomy surgery first and saved myself and my body a lot of pain, a lot of struggle and a lot of um, complications that I have now due to, you know, multiple surgeries and scar tissue and all the other things that go along with, you know, being open um, from top to bottom three times. So you're, you're living, you're a young woman living with an ostomy, a permanent one. Um, did, did you have that conversation um, about fertility? I am so lucky that in 1989, that my doctor, Eric Rubin, you know, I, I wasn't able to do chemotherapy because my liver function was too, uh, too high. And he sent me to the cryogenic center. I had no idea during the headlights what I was doing, but I did it. And then, you know, rolled the clock forward 11 years later, frozen sperm. And, uh, you know, in vitro fertilization with Lisa, uh, my wife, you know, got us a miracle child, Emily. And so were those conversations happening with you? Great question. Um, so I brought that conversation up when um, I had my first appointment because I had friends. I mean, I worked in oncology, right? So um, friends told me talk about fertility, talk about psychosocial, all these different things. So I brought it up. Um, I He said, you know, I said, can you guarantee that my cancer won't progress or what, you know, in the time period? And no one can ever guarantee that. But um, I chose to go and see a fertility specialist. I saw somebody, um, I was supposed to have my eggs frozen. I had the medicine ordered and I was going to wait, I think it's 10 or 12 days. They do it very, very fast for cancer patients. I was going to wait that time to freeze my eggs. But the night before I was supposed to start my medicine, the first cycle of my medicine, um, I got really sick. Um, blood was essentially just coming out, um, in the toilet. Um, and so I called my doctor and, and, you know, he said, I'm going to leave the decision up to you, but, but, you know, this is not good. You know, we probably need to start your treatment sooner rather than later. And what ultimately we thought was happening is my cancer was about to break through the colon wall. And if that had happened, I would have gone into septic shock and died. You know, they can't guarantee that would have happened, but the blood was just, so severe. Um, it was the whole toilet. And it, every time I went to the bathroom, it was the whole toilet and it was pain. And so it was one of the hardest decisions I think I made um, throughout my whole cancer journey because I love kids and I want kids in the future. But ultimately, if I'm not here, my eggs aren't going to help anybody. So I, I, I chose to start my treatment that next day, essentially. Um, and now I, I can't have children because the radiation, you know, no, you 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 can have children via yes. adoption and via Different surrogacy, um, and uh, you 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 can. So, uh, but right, not naturally right now. So, um, I, I th this these are the decisions that I don't think people truly understand that have really long term effects. You know, we have the side effects that are the gifts that keeps on giving, but you know, we're making decisions that have future ramification. Okay, to the lifestyle we want to live you to choose to be um, a permanent ostomy, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, go and have treatment instead of actually preserving, um, you know, your eggs. So th these are real decisions. Um, I, I want to take a, a second and just say that um, for those listening, this, this we're going to get into the cool part of advocacy and 
and patient expertise in a second uh, on social media because Allison's just amazing um, and she uses her, her dance uh, skill um, so amazingly well and I've got to participate. But um, this is serious business, right? Um, I, I have some t statistics that 2.1 million people in the world will be diagnosed with colorectal cancer this year. Huge amount of people, right? 930,000 will die. Most of those in the third world will not get treatment. They will just die. Um, here in the U.S., the numbers around 153 to 155,000 people will get diagnosed and 53,000 will die. That means you've got about 100,000 that are actually going to be uh, in treatment and living with cancer. And we are living longer with cancer. And there are lots of hope, uh, you know, for the future. But the bottom line is get screened right? Don't get cancer. Don't have to go through all the agony that we've had to go through, the side effects, the treatment, radiation, surgeries, chemo. Um, so I, I put that out there is to go get screened, go get a fit test, go get a Cologuard test, go get your colonoscopy. And if you have family history, okay, or um, you actually have symptoms, raise your hand right away, right? Raise your hand yeah. right away. Go get screened. Um, and because we walk, uh, you and I, we walk every day with patients in treatment. And uh, we also, uh, we wear our blue, our, our, our colorectal cancer awareness month is, is March. And I'm wearing my blue sneakers right now. And um, we walk with patients every day that are in the journey. But there are lots of our friends. And uh, we've lost many that yeah. uh, lose their battle because their cancer burden is too great and they get called to heaven. And so we live in this, this, this trichotomy of screening, okay, treatment. And then uh, people passing, so it's 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 where we choose to give back, um, and I'm grateful for that. So the reason that uh, again I wanted you to hear Allison's story because this is a young woman's story. This could be anyone's story. It could be your story, my story. Okay, being 50 years old when the screening age was 50 and getting screened as well. If I was screened at age 40, it's a different conversation. No colon cancer, earlier stage colon cancer. Instead, an eight and a half centimeter tumor grows inside of me. And uh, then I got to deal with chemo and surgeries and clinical trials and metastatic and, um, and hot chemo uh, to try to cure me. So um, I wanted to ask you, all right, is that first of all, um, you know, cancer has impacted your life, but you've decided to actually put it and go push all the chips back into cancer. How come? I mean, for me, I went through this diagnosis. I went through it. I met a lot of amazing people. A lot of people helped me. And I feel like I had to find a purpose. Like it, I was a little lost. I'm not going to lie. I went through treatment. I was a little lost. I trying to figure out my purpose. I worked in research still after. But I also like wanted to find people that understood me. I wanted to find a community. And, and when I did, I got involved in advocacy. And so cancer just changed the whole trajectory of my career and my life. I found my family, my blue family, as we call it. And I really realized that the power of telling your story is so important. Somebody impacted me by telling their story and, and connecting with me and talking about their ostomy. I wanted to do the same for others. I had to find a purpose in everything I went through. And my purpose was to help others. And so I switched sort of careers to work in public health and community outreach and education so I could educate people about exactly what you just said, the importance of colorectal cancer screening. So I was going in federally qualified health centers and clinics and um, and talking about the importance of screening. And, and a lot of them were like, what do you know about the importance of screening? And I showed a picture of me bald. I showed a picture of me really sick um, during my treatment. And they're like, that's you? And I'm like, yeah, 
I went through it. So I know and I can tell you that I won't, won't, don't want anyone else to have to go through what I went through. So if I can help you convince your patients or I can help anyone in the community, anybody get screened by sharing my story, then I've done, I've successfully accomplished what I have, my goal in life, my purpose that I, I feel like I was put on this world for. So being able to do it for work and then being able to do it for advocacy is, um, is, super, is fulfilling. It healed me slowly but surely as I started doing advocacy and switching careers, it healed me from everything that I went through. I mean, it was a long process. You don't heal overnight, but really finding your, your, your purpose and, um, and what makes you happy every day is just the best thing in the world after you've gone through something as horrific as cancer. Thank you for sharing that. I, you know, many people choose to keep their journey private, and I totally respect that. Why did you share your cancer story on social media and, and especially on TikTok? <laughs> Great question. Um, well, so I started sharing a little bit on little bit by little bit, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, professionally, and then when they lowered the screening age to forty five, um, it was during COVID. And I had a lot of time on my hands and, and someone was, I was very motivated because I talked to so many people and they had no idea that it was lowered. And it's, we, we worked really hard policy wise to lower that age to 45 and that's five years earlier. So I, I, someone suggested, oh, you should go on TikTok and share your story. And I was like, TikTok? I don't know. I think that's just for younger people. So I scrolled on TikTok and I was like, okay, well, you know, I can dance, I can point, I can you know, figure out the trends. So um, I got on, started sharing, and somehow it resonated and, and different videos, especially one of me wearing my ostomy and, and talking about the importance of screening went viral. And so once things, once you feel like you're reaching people and people are commenting, thank you for sharing, thank you for telling me this, thank you for, you know, because of you, I got screened, then it motivates you to continue sharing. And so I continued to share on TikTok. And now, maybe not every day, but almost every day I post about the importance of screening and early detection. I tell a little bit about my cancer journey. I talk about the importance of clinical trials. Um, I talk about the myths and stuff that, are, that surround ostomies. And I'll do it in, sometimes I'll dance, sometimes I'll point, sometimes I'll, you know, do a trend that's going on. But I make everything related to prevention, early detection, treatment, you know, support um, so that people understand they're not alone. And, you know, I'll go live and talk about colonoscopy prep tips. And that's the most popular. I will say people don't want to do a colonoscopy. And when I talk about all the different I've had, I've had 30, maybe 35, maybe even more than that colonoscopies in my lifetime. So I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a, a pro at this point. So I know how to do it. I know the different options. I know how to what clear liquids to do. And, you know, you can make it cold. You can use a straw. You can, you know, all these different things. So I want to share that knowledge with everyone else um, that might not know. The screening age is 45. They might not know. Family history is important to talk about. Might not know the signs and symptoms. And might not know that, you know, once you do a colonoscopy, if everything's clear and they find nothing, you don't have to have another one for 10 years. I, I, exactly. So the, the fact is, is that I love this because TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, they can become viral. So it's shareable. So yeah. they're sharing that and you are the credible source. 
right? They, they don't know if you have an ostomy unless you show it and you have shown it, um, <laughs> which is a little daring and things like that, but it, it, it's who you are and, it, and it's authentic. And that's why I love it so much because the ability to be able to share this and reach other populations, um, the, the facts don't lie that the African-American, Latino, minority, rural, uh, poor finan you know, uh, financial communities get are the least screened mm -hmm. and they're the highest diagnosed. We have to go reach those communities and if by chance they're actually on TikTok and they actually get this message, maybe they'll take some action. And so th this is why it's exciting for me because you've opened up kind of a whole new market and you're trying to remove a stigma of something that's not super fun to talk about. But you're a young woman trying to live her life. I'm a young guy. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. You know, we come from different sides, but we're saying very similar messages is that we care. Yeah. Don't isolate. Be selfish in your time of need get help. There's resources that we can connect you with. And yeah. um, I, I love it when someone says, thank you. I got my colonoscopy. Thank you. I told my brother, I told my sister, or that you connected me. Um, big shout out here. So we'll go through some of the orgs. So uh, we've done some volunteerism and I call it, you know, patient expertise. Now um, we are advocates, but we are now patient experts. And so our friends at the colorectal Co uh, cancer Alliance, uh, colorectal cancer, um, coalition for screening, get your rearing gear. I use that all the time. Get your rearing gear. Love that tagline, the tour de touche, uh, colon town, which I'm the chairman of the board. You know, we walk with the patients once you're diagnosed and the caregivers, uh, fight CRC for some policy and advocacy. Um, there's other orgs, but we, we have a tight group here. We have the resources. Yeah. We need the resource colon cancer. And, and this was the shocking thing that came out. I was just at the um, American Society of Clinical Oncology uh, for gastrointestinal with you intestinal in San Francisco. And what was the feature? The feature is that the number one killer for men under 50, which is considered young onset, and number two killer for uh, women is colorectal cancer. So it's growing. It could be diet. It can be lifestyle. It can be heterogeneity uh, for family. But whatever it is, we've got to get in front of this because it's only growing. And so it's crazy. So tell me some of your favorite TikTok moments. I mean, I've done a few with you. I cannot tell you they are works of of, of art, <laughs> but I've been in there. I've tried to actually, you know, do the shimmy, do the dazzle um, as best as I can. But you, you've got a couple of good ones. And, and tell me some of your most popular ones. That have went viral. Um, I think one of my most popular ones was surprising to me because it was the first time I ever showed my ostomy to anybody other than my parents and maybe a select few friends. I showed my ostomy. Um, I talked about how I'm not, you know, I'm not shy about it. This is what I have. Um, I will not break this. You know, I want to break the stigma that exists. And somehow um, 1.3 million people saw that. And it empowered me to to do more advocacy related to ostomies, but also share. And the comments were just like, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I have one. I have one. Thank you. Thank like, it was just it was just overwhelming. Um, and it really filled my heart with joy that that like I was being so vulnerable, but everyone was receptive to it and they were amazing. Um, and not negative. You never know when you're gonna show something like that if people are gonna be negative and um but they were amazing and accepting. And so it, it made me want to do more as far as ostomies. Um, you know, another one that's really exciting and popular. And one of my favorites was when we were at ally camp, I got the whole group to do a popular dance with me 
Um, this is Ally Campus, sort of a camp for advocates through the Colorectal Cancer Alliance. We were all there. I asked that anyone that wanted to do it. I taught a quick dance that was, you know, one of the trends going on at that time. Everyone lined up and we did it. Um, and it's just great. It, it, the message was you're not alone. Um, find your community. Um, and, you know, if you need someone to talk to, we're here. We're here for you. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. There's one that I did with my dad. Um, my dad's a doctor. So he was sort of um, acting as, you know, a doctor where I was saying, I have upset stomach, you know, blood in my stool. I was sort of acting out or showing where in different parts of the house where the symptoms were. And I was like, I was pointing to him. I was like, talk to your doctor. My dad likes to make cameos every once in a while on my TikToks and he loved it. Um, and and really, it's it's about that. It's about family showing I, my parents every once in a while. I'll, they'll let me um, feature them and, and and a little dance here or there. But you know, it's just about trying to get. There's another one I did. Oh, I forgot. There's another one I did at um, a National Colorectal Cancer Roundtable meeting, which is patient advocacy organizations, advocates, providers, people that work in the community together. I had a doctor do do a dance with me. And say you're my hero. So I like to highlight, you know, healthcare heroes, um, patient heroes, survivor heroes, um, and again, just colonoscopy. I, I did share when Ryan Reynolds had his colonoscopy a tip about or a little clip of that, and I gave a little commentary below it. That also got I think six hundred some some my thousand views and you know fifty thousand I think comments. Um, which goes to show that just because you're a celebrity doesn't mean you shouldn't get screened. And he had polyps. He had precancerous polyps when he had his colonoscopy. And he got it because he was doing a campaign and he just turned 45. So just, I mean, again, if you have a colon, you're at risk. You need to get that screening. It doesn't matter if you're famous and have all the money in the world. You can also have precancerous polyps or polyps and um, you need to get that colonoscopy too. So I think that one was really popular because, again, everyone knows him. And it wouldn't if he hadn't gotten it when he did, if he had waited the five years till, till he turned 50, who knows what would have happened. It might be a totally different conversation. Way different conversation. Instead, he gets to come back in three, five or even longer years. Um, you know, Chadwick Boseman, okay, Hollywood, you know, superstar hit it, you know. And um, quite frankly, that that actually did for a while have some impact in the African-American community um, because he's a person of influence. Yeah. And so th this is what I love is that the fact is, is that you take your camera and you're at a country music concert. You're at the Astros game. And sometimes you just go into your, your TikTok mode and people get to know you and know who you are, uh, that you're living your life. OK, as a cancer survivor, as an ostomate. And as, as, as just a young woman that that's basically rebuilt her life and dedicated it to uh, informing others and inspiring others. And you inspire me all the time. I follow you like crazy. I don't know if I could be the TikTok uh, queen that you are, but it's just crazy cool uh, that we are friends and we all do our part uh, to move things together. So I'm going to transition now. This is called the Shining Brightly Spotlight. So I have sunglasses. All right. I don't know if you have yours or I do. Uh, I do. I do. We're going to shine one. together. Oh, I love it. We got blue ones. Okay. So we got colorectal cancer blue marches. Uh, uh, we got dress in blue day. Thank you, Anita uh, Isler for that. Um, Let me take the, I have another one. Let me get that has a tag on it. It looks fun. All Here, right. I got second. Pair. There we go. 
Fancy blues. All right. So we're shining brightly right now. I want to tell people how, how should they get a hold of you? And um, if they want to reach you uh, to come and speak and educate or uh, and then I'm definitely going to put all the links uh, in the show notes and as, on, on social media so they can follow you on all your socials, especially TikTok. Yeah, I mean, they I'm on TikTok, Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, Rosen4. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, AlliCat380, A-L-I-C-A-T-380. And then I'm on, I mean, if you just Google Allison Rosen colon cancer, um, I will pop up. Um, if you message me on Twitter, um, I guess X now is what it's called, a Rosen 380 send me a message. I, I check my messages daily on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on, on TikTok. And so I'm, I'm always available, willing to tell my story, willing to help anyone that needs support. Um, I just got a message it was earlier today. Someone asked about um, ostomy support, um, and I told them, sent them to a resource and a website. If I don't have the answer, I will search and find the answer for whoever needs it. I love it. You're an amazing resource. All right. Hit me up with some inspiration uh, to close out the show and hey, kick it over back to me. I think my inspiration is you are your own best advocate, um, and I want people to feel empowered to take control of their life, their health, um, so that they can potentially save their self, save their life one day. Um, and the other thing that I always say is you only have one life to live, so live life to the fullest. Love that. So we'll take, take the glasses off for a second. We're going to close out the show. So um, I'm going to give uh, a little bit of shout out to uh, my, my uh, partners and my front edge publishing, read the spirit magazine, which I'm uh, blogging in weekly. Uh, and then, uh, Amplify You, which is my podcast house, and uh, and Speaker Slam, which is my uh, my speaker uh, coaching group. Um, listen, we, if we shine brightly just a little bit each day for ourselves, and then go lift up others, and then lift up our neighbors and our communities, the world become a better place. That's my mantra. We have been with our, my TikTok queen and dear friend, Allison Rosen. Thank you, thank you. Amazing, amazing show. And um, we're going to keep motivating, educating, and inspiring because that's what we do. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and inspiring me every day as well. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.